0: Thank you, Lord, so much for giving us uh, this day, Lord, that, that you have made and that we can gather together and worship you and seek you, Lord, and we thank you for the, just the wonderful time of, of worship, drawing close to you as we lift up our praises uh, to you and you only. And Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that, and trust that our, our hearts are ready to receive your spoken word, and Lord, I decrease that you would increase I myself of myself, so fill me with yourself that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you, not of me. We praise in Jesus' name. All God's will said. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible or Bible app, turn to 1 John. Not the Gospel John, but the Epistle John. 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 10 is today's text. Again, 1 John 3, verses 4 through 10. We're now in part 8 of our series, Authentic. Say Authentic. Come on, say it with great enthusiasm. Authentic. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Now, before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, verses 1 through 3 of this chapter, chapter 3. And I gave you four points just quickly here. Point number 1 of last week's text was the Father's love. Say that. The Father's love. That's in verse 1. And John wants us to take a special note and to stop what we're doing and look at God's unique love for us. And that when we get saved, God not only forgave us our sins, but he also brought us into his family. He adopted us as his own. We're his children. Someone say amen to that. The second point was the world's lostness. Say that. The world's lostness. And that's in verse 1 as well. And the world, speaking of of non-believers, the world non-believers don't have the spiritual capacity to know what either Christ or Christians are about. They don't have the spiritual perception. Why? Because they're spiritually dead. The third point was a longing for Jesus. Say that. That's in verse 2. And John can't quite tell what we're going to be like exactly and the fullness of our future state of glorification has not been completely revealed. All John can tell us is that when Jesus does appear, uh, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Yeah? All right. And we will receive full transformation spiritually and also physically at the point when Jesus comes back for us. And he's going to come back. He'll come back. Amen? The fourth point was the way to live. Say that. And that's in verse 3. And and who we are, knowing the text, who we are, children of God, right? We are children of God. And where we're headed, heaven, eternity, should have a radical, radical effect on how you and I live. As children of God, listen now, uh, with the coming expectation of Jesus, that, that's supposed to lead to a practical holiness in our lives. We are to purify ourselves because John says, the Word of God says Jesus himself is pure. Got it? This now brings us to, to today's text. The title of my message is Living Rightly. Everyone say that. Living Rightly. Six points. And then after we, we um, do the six points, complete those, I want to wrap up this message with an action plan, okay? You guys good? If you're ready, say Yes. Number one is the practice. Write that down. And when I say the practice here, I'm I'm speaking of the practice of sin. Because in contrast with the purity, purity described in the previous verse, John labels the practice of sinning as lawlessness. You guys with me? Verse 4, verse 4, verse 4. Everyone who who sins. Now the New American Standard Bible renders, renders it like this. Anyone who practices sin. Say practices sin. Speaking of of habitual lifestyle of living in sin, intentionally pursuing, practicing sin on an ongoing basis, enjoying and taking pleasure in sin. That's what he's talking about. Everyone who sins practices sin, breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness. So here what John does, John declares that sin is a transgression of God's law. It's a disregard for the law of God, which, in, which is inherently a disregard for the lawmaker God himself. It's, listen now, it's, 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 utterly rebe- it's utter rebellion against the holiness and, and expectations of God. Lawlessness, say that, is an attitude, it's indifference, to the law. It's living as if there is no law. It's living as if there is no lawgiver. And, and, to, and listen, friends, that's defiance. That's sin. The very essence of sin is lawlessness. In fact, Jesus called the Pharisees workers of lawlessness. You guys with me? Now, if you're saved, say amen. We're saved by grace. We know that, right? Praise God for that. You and I, were are saved by grace, and we no longer are under the Mosaic law right? Okay, the law shows us how sinful we are, but the law itself cannot take away our sins. This is why Jesus had to come and die for us and give his life for us. But listen, just because, listen now, just because we are no longer under the Mosaic law doesn't give us an excuse to be lawless. You guys with me? or to practice sin, or to rebel against God, we still need to take heed to God's moral law. There is a moral law, friends. You guys with me? We're not without law to God, but under the law of Christ. And you'll find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 21. Go home and read that. So first off, John points out the practice, the practice of sin. Number two, you guys ready? Here we go. The purification, say that. Write that down, because we're talking about the purification from sin, we saw the practice of sin, now the purification from sin. look at verse five a when I say verse five a a means the first part of that verse, but you know say no, in other words, John's saying, come on if you if you're a believer, then you should know this, but you know that he speaking of Jesus appeared when he says jesus appeared, he's speaking of his first coming his incarnation, got it? So that he might take away our sins. Th- that was Jesus' mission. His, his purpose to take away, take away. excuse me, our sins. Why? Because every person, listen now, every single person on the face of the earth has one major, massive problem, and that is sin. It's sin. Listen, every other problem that mankind has are secondary problems. There's only one real problem at the very center of the heart of every human being, and that problem is sin. And that's why Jesus came. Amen? He came to take away our sin. I want you to follow me here. Jesus takes away our sin in the sense of taking the penalty of our sin away. And this happens immediately right, when we get saved. It's accomplished when we get saved. It also is taking, taking the power, not only the, not only the penalty, but also the power of sin away. And this is an ongoing work in our lives as you and I, as we walk and follow Jesus, and then taking the presence of sin away. Not just the penalty and power, but the presence of sin away. And this is a work that will be completed when you and I pass on into eternity, Right? And our glorified with Jesus. Amen? So the penalty of our sin is taken away the power as we live our daily lives away. And then ultimately the presence of sin will be taken away when we're in glory, in glory with Jesus. And this is the work of Jesus in our lives. It's not our work. It's not our work. Right? It's his work in our lives. It's a work that we must respond to. Okay? It's his work. It's his work. Say, it's his work. Look at verse 5b. And in him is no sin. You guys get that? Okay, we, we cannot take away the penalty of our own sin. We can't. Why? Because we're sinners. We're sinners. It's impossible to cleanse ourselves. We must instead receive the work of Jesus in taking away our sin. He, speaking of Jesus... He and he alone is able and was able, right, to pay the penalty for our sins. The sinless one died for our sins. He was the only one. This is now suitable and perfect. Suitable was the only suitable and perfect sacrifice for our sins. And you see, in order for Jesus to take away our sins, the qualification was what? He had to be what? Without sin himself. Or he would be dying for his own sin, which would make sense, right? Or he would be having to save himself and take away his own sin. But since there was no sin in Jesus, our sins could be placed upon him on the cross. And that's, that's good news. And I love what Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where he writes this and he says this, God made him, speaking of Jesus, God made him, God made Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Right? Don't you love that? Jesus became our sin bearer. That positionally, you and I would be righteous before the eyes of God. That being said, the reason why, and and this is what I'm driving at, or John, should I say John's driving at, the reason why an authentic believer, authentic, say authentic, Authentic believer cannot habitually practice sin or practice lawlessness is because it's incompatible with the law of God and incompatible with the work of Jesus Christ. That's why. Now, if you're saved, say amen. In Jesus' death on the cross, it meant the death of the ruling power, the ruling power of sin in our lives. Now, we still sin. We're saved, but we're saved. Sinners, we still sin, sin is still present in our lives, but it's no longer the governor, it's no longer the ruler, it's no longer the dictator of our lives. Why? Because Jesus is now our governor, right? He's now the ruler, right? The king of and in our lives. We now have a new master. Verse 6. No one who lives, in other words, abides, say abides, in him, okay, who abides in Jesus, keeps on sinning. Now, keeps on sinning, we're going back to what John has been saying throughout this whole epistle, right? When he says keeps on sinning, talking about the present tense, the idea of continuing in sin, uh, to to go on sinning uh, and sinning, uh, practicing the lifestyle of sin, uh, habitual lifestyle of sin. So no one who lives or abides in him keeps on living that way. No one who continues to sin, again, the habitual lifestyle, has either seen him, Jesus, or known him. Do you guys get that? And what John is simply saying here, friends, is that those who live in sin, practicing a lifestyle of sin, okay, whose lives are dominate, dominated by sins, lives marked by a continual desire to please the flesh, have not, listen, have not encountered Jesus. They haven't nor are they known of him. Because what they have, no clue, say no clue who Jesus is and what he should mean in their lives. And what it does, it reveals that they don't know Jesus. They have no personal, neither, listen now, or permanent experience of Jesus. Listen, listen. Continuing in sin with no desire for reconciliation to God through Jesus Christ confirms that one is apart and separated from Jesus in their sin. So this makes it very clear that it's ridiculous, and I want you to get this, Christians. It's ridiculous, it's foolish to believe that a person who is truly saved, one who abides in Jesus, connected to Jesus, can at the same time live a lifestyle of sin. You guys with me? Here's a lesson. Ready? Abide in Jesus. Say that. Abide in Jesus. These are sobering words, right? You see, John's argument is this. Are we abiding in Jesus? Are we connected to Jesus? And if the answer is yes, John's saying then we're not abiding in sin. We're not connected to sin then. You see, we can't be abiding. We can't be connected to Jesus and abiding and connected to sin at the same time can't. John tells us that the two are mutually exclusive. Got it? So we see the practice of sin and the purification from sin. There's a purifying, as believers, right? From that We still sin, but we don't live in sin. Got it? Say the practice. Come on, say the purification. Number three is the practice again. We'll go back to the practice, but this is different now. Okay, the practice not of sin but the practice of righteousness. And this is the practice of what the believer does. Look at verse 7. Dear children, that's a term of endearment that John uses, right? Speaking to believers, those who belong to Christ. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. In other words, don't let anyone deceive you. Because we learn that the Gnostics, the false teachers, right? These heretics, he's speaking of these guys who were teaching that it doesn't matter how you live. They were living immoral lives without remorse, without repentance, without regret. They were claiming to love God, yet practicing a lifestyle of unrighteousness. So, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. Don't let anyone deceive you. These guys he's talking about, these false teachers, that he says this. He, speaking of the true believer who does what is right, got it? The New King James says it like this. He who practices, I love this, practices. Righteousness, You guys get that? So he who does what is right, practices righteousness, is righteous just as he, speaking of Jesus, is righteous. Man, you got to love the word, don't you? Right? you got to love the word. John, John, John speaks of the, of the practice. He speaks of the mark of a true, authentic, genuine believer. You see, those who have, listen now, those who have been made righteous in Jesus will practice righteousness, just as Jesus himself is righteous. Now, I want to point out something. Let's look at the text again. Jesus, right, it says, just as he, Jesus, is what? Is. Not was, is. Say is. Present tense. Present tense. Okay? He is. Always will be, right? Okay? Follow me. Because Jesus is righteous in the present, we can live lives characterized by righteousness, not, not, not sin, because we have been given the righteousness of Jesus. Follow me. He, Jesus, is righteous in the present, right? Therefore, we have the resource that we need to live righteously today and every day, because he's righteous all the time. You guys got it? And you know what? As I was doing my study, I was thinking about this You know what we need more of today? We need more God-fearing Christians. Yeah? Who practice, who live a lifestyle of righteousness. Okay? Christians who don't live with the mindset, don't live with the mindset, how much can I get away with and still be a Christian? People who will practice, live a lifestyle of, of righteousness. Now listen, because I want to make sure you understand what John is not saying here. He's not saying that we're saved by being righteous. He's not saying that, okay? He's not saying if you practice righteousness, then God will accept you as righteous, or if you practice righteousness, you will be saved. He's not saying that. What John is saying, what he's saying is, if God has done a work of grace in your life, In my life, if you, if we have truly believed in Jesus alone for salvation, if we are truly born again, saved by grace, then this is the way that you and I will live. A righteous life. You will practice righteousness as Jesus is righteous. It's like that saying, right, like father, like son. You, you will become more and more like Jesus. The, the evidence of God's grace, the evidence of God's righteousness, the right, and the righteousness of Jesus Christ will be seen in your life. It will be evidence in what you do, in, in how you talk, in, in, in how you live, in, in the, the way that you think. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. And a person who can only practice righteousness, and a person can only practice righteousness through having the nature of Him who is righteous. Got it? Listen, hey, you cannot encounter God without some kind of change in your life. A holy, loving, righteous God will affect your life and your lifestyle. A person cannot have spiritual life and go, on, and go on living in sin. There must be evidence, the evidence, proof of a transformed life lifestyle. Now, as Christians, listen, we still sin. Got it? But we don't live in it. We don't enjoy it. Got it? We don't entertain it. So you ready for the lesson? Here we go. It matters how we live. It matters how we live. Our culture says it don't matter how you live. Live any way you want. But to the Christian, the Word of God is very clear that it does matter how we live. We are representatives of Jesus Christ. So it does matter how we live. Therefore, a true believer, authentic, genuine believer, must Practice righteousness. There should be a difference in our lives from those of the world. Can can someone please agree with me here this morning? Amen? So, the practice of sin, we saw that lawlessness, the purification from sin, right? We've been washed, right? The practice of righteousness, right? Now, number four is the pattern. Say that. Write that down, the pattern, because here we see those who follow after the pattern of the devil. Man, let me tell you, John, he pulls no punches, man. I mean, the guy's straight up, right? Straight up. Verse 8a, he who does what is sinful, listen to what he says. He who does what is sinful is of who? The devil. Because the devil has been what? Sinning from the beginning. And we can trace, we can trace the source of all sin to the devil, to Satan. Because sin originates with him. He's the author. He's he's the the director. He's the the founder, the father. He's of sin. And those who continually, there's that word, continually commit sin without any remorse or without any sense of need for repentance who settle in habitual sin are not children of God. What are they? Come on, say it. That's right. I know that sounds harsh, but that's the Word of God. Amen? Now notice the contrast between, and I want you to get this. Notice the contrast between Jesus and the devil. Back in verse 5b, John says, and in him, speaking of Jesus, is no sin. Did you get that? And here he says, the devil has been what? Sinning from the beginning. Contrast, right? Right? Get this, the one who continually sins, the one who continually practices sin is following after the pattern of who? The devil. So question, which pattern are you following after, Jesus or the devil? It's a fair question, right? See, the truth is, we are either children of God or children of the devil. And there's no middle ground. We are either saved and acceptable to God through Christ or or we remain in our sin associated with Satan and his desires. And John's point is this, is that is the one who continues, again, that's that word, continues to sin, habitually living a lifestyle of sin, proves, say proves, they haven't completely abandoned Your loyalty to Satan. If you're saved, say amen. If we're saved, hey, listen now. If we're saved, we must abandon the old loyalty, Satan, right? And embrace and abide in the new loyalty, Jesus. Amen? Practice the purification. The practice, again, the pattern. Number five is the purpose. Say that. The purpose. Because we know that Jesus came to this earth with a purpose, right? Look at verse 8 B, the reason the Son of God Jesus appeared was to destroy whose work whose work? the devil. so back back in verse five, back in verse five, John gave us one reason why Jesus came that was to take away our sins, right? To take away our sins. Here John gives us another reason why Jesus came that Jesus might destroy the works of the devil. Now notice notice John didn't say that Jesus purpose was to neutralize the works of the devil or to alleviate them or to even limit them. No, no. No. Jesus purpose was to what? Destroy. Destroy the works of the devil. Now listen, the devil was defeated at the cross. We know that, right? He was defeated at the cross, but he's still waiting his sentence. Now, He's a powerful force in the world. and He is. He's a powerful force in the world. But Jesus has defeated him at the cross. Therefore, the Christian, if you're safe, say amen. Okay, we have victory over the devil. We do. Not ourselves, but in Christ. And by the way, the book of Revelation, if you read the book of Revelation, gives gives the ultimate doom of the devil. If you're still with me, say amen. Point number six. Here we go. Point number six is the position. When I say the position, I'm speaking of the position of the believer. Of the believer. The believer's position. Verse 9, verse 9a, no one who is born of God will continue. There's that word again to what? Sin. Continue to practice sin, habitually live in sin. Why? Because God, God's seed, say God's seed remains in him or her. You guys got that? Listen, the change from being a child of the devil to being a child of God comes when we're born of God, when we're born again. At that moment, the moment that you and I receive Jesus Christ, at that moment we are given a new nature. Say new nature. So in the text, in the text we just read it, God's seed refers to the new, say it, nature. Okay? New nature received at our conversion. You see, the old nature produces sin, but the new nature leads one into a holy and righteous life. Now, notice what John says, because God's seed remains in him. This is an amazing statement, amazing statement, that the divine life remains in the believer, remains in the believer, which tells us that the believer is eternally secure. You got it, you got it. So instead of going, listen, so instead of going out and practicing sin, the believer's eternal security is a guarantee. Listen now, that he or she will not go on sinning habitually. Got it? Look, look at verse 9b. He or she cannot go on sinning. Again, practicing sin, habitual lifestyle, sin, because he or she has been what? Come on, say it. Born. God, And John is emphatically, clearly emphasizing what it means to be a true, authentic, genuine believer of God, child of God. It means that there's a change, a a transforming proof. There's there's evidence in our lives, and, and that evidence is seen in every single area of our lives as we grow in our walk with Jesus. There will be proof, evidence, real, observable change in our lives. Again, again, if we're truly saved, if we're authentic, an authentic child of God, we will not, we will not practice a lifestyle of sin. And I want to tell you, someone, someone who says, yeah, you know what, man, they say, oh, well, they're a Christian and they love God and yet live a habitual lifestyle of sin. John says, the Bible says they're not, they're not a real Christian. So what the word that God says. God will not permit one who has truly been born of him to continue to practice sin. Won't. You ready for the lesson? Here's the lesson. There's a change in our relation, in our relation to sin. At least they should be, right? Right? There's a change in our relation to sin. So so we as believers, we need to live our lives free of sin as much as we possibly can. We still sin. We still sin. We just don't sin as much as we used to sin. We're not sinless, but the more that we grow in Christ, we should sin less. And now that we're saved, we, we look at sin differently. We don't enjoy it. We don't entertain it. We deal with it immediately. We despise it and hate it wholeheartedly. You see, serious believers, if you're a serious believer, serious believers are serious about dealing with their sin. You know why? Because they know that sin brings consequences to their daily lives. Amen? Let me tell you something. If you're you're a true believer and and if you allow sin to rule your life for that moment or so, guess what, friends? You, You lose joy and peace and power. We've got to deal with it, right? Verse 10, here we go. This is how we know. Don't you know that? Say no. This is how we know. He uses that word a lot. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother or sister, I would say in Christ, because that's what he's talking about, Christians. So John is calling it what it is. And like I said, he pulls no punches. You see, the reality is what we're manifesting in our lives will show if we are truly a child of God or a child of the devil. There's, there's no middle ground there. And the child of God reflects the character of God in their right living before God, and the child of the devil reflects the character of the devil in their rebellion to God. Th- there's no middle ground. Okay? There's no gray area here, okay? There's there's no such thing as half and half. We are either a child of God, as John says, the Word of God says, or a child of the devil. And what determines that is our lifestyle. How we live. Got it? And John makes it clear that the one practicing righteousness as a way of life is the true child of God and one who is recognized by his or her love for other Christians. And we're going to talk about that next week. Don't miss next week. Okay? You guys got that? So with now the text already done. What I, what I want to do is, is real quickly here, what I want to do is I want to, I want to give you an action plan on how to live rightly. Okay? All right? Okay. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. There's many more, but I'm just going to give you a few, maybe six of them. Okay, so so action plan. You ready? Here we go. Here we go. This is how, how to live rightly. Here we go. Get in the Word. Say it. Get in the Word. There needs to be a daily feeding on the Word of God. Okay? Not just reading it, but really paying attention to it. Let it resonate in your hearts deeply and doing what it says. And you've heard me say this many times. God's Word shows us what's right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. Now remember, the Word of God is the number one provision for purifying ourselves, right? And the more we are in His Word, the more we take on His characteristics. The Word is the Word of God that renews our mind. Satan is going to attack you in the mind. It all begins in the mind. And we as believers need to renew our minds, amen? Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed, say transformed, by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Renew your mind, renew your mind. The Word of God. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Say, say, get in the Word. Here we go. Next one is pray. Pray. We Pray. We should pray. We should have a time of prayer, right? When we pray, we need to be honest with God about our struggles. Okay? And accept responsibility for the things that you and I have done wrong. And I got to do that. I, Lord, when I messed up, God, I Lord, I messed up. And I should have been angry or just did, done something that just... Was, was defiance against you, Lord, and be honest that we've done something wrong and take responsible, personal responsibility for our sins and confess them to him. Amen? And in chapter 1, of verse 9 of this epistle, remember what John said? Uh, if, we, if we confess our sins, they confess, okay? He, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us, right? Purify us from what? Unrighteousness. Because we ought to be walking righteously, right? Say, get in the Word. Say, pray. How about this? Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. So important that we'd walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the old nature, the old nature is seeking to gratify the flesh. And so daily, knowing that, Daily, we need to ask God to give us the power of his Holy Spirit to turn away from tempting things, from tempting situations, right, and practice righteousness. Now I want to say this, friends. Listen, we are not a match for the devil and his army in our own strength. Not. I'm sorry, but we're not. You guys with me? He's going to beat us every time we try to face tempting situations in our own power. This is why we need to walk in the power of God's Holy Spirit. Can't do it in your own power, friends. We need the power of God's Holy Spirit, Galatians 5.16. Some of you guys might know this by heart. Paul says, so I say walk, live, right, by the Spirit. By the Spirit. It must be under the power, under the influence, under the control of the Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of God. The flesh, the sinful nature. So understand, you got to meet the premise before you get the promise. Walk by the Spirit. That's the premise. The promise is this, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Say, get in the Word. Say, pray. Say, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Number four is avoid tempting situations. Avoid it. Avoid it. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Matthew 26, verse 41 says, watch. Jesus says, watch, watch, and pray. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Get it? Spirit is willing, but what's weak? Flesh is weak. So we need to stay away from certain places. Listen now, church. Certain places, certain people, certain websites, certain situations that can make us stumble. We need to set some boundaries, set them, and stick to them. The problem with us, we set the boundary right here. Look it. We set the boundary, right, and we see the boundary, but we do this. We kick the boundary. No, set it and stick to it. Amen? In the Word, pray, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, avoid tempting situations. Number five, I love this one, is be accountable. Be accountable. Be accountable. There is power, there is strength, and freedom in accountability. Because we cannot do it. Listen now, friends, please get this on our own. We can't. We need to share our struggles, right? Yeah, our victories, but our struggles with someone. And, and, and find someone who's, who's a strong believer, someone who's a good, godly person of good, godly characteristics, a character. Someone who won't be afraid to ask you honest, hard questions. Huh? Proverbs 27, 17, we know this, right? We just went through the book of Proverbs. As iron sharpens iron, so one brother sharpens another. Hey, if you don't have an accountability partner, find one. Find one. Find one. Because you need one. You need one. Amen? Get in the Word, pray, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, avoid tempting situations, be accountable. And number six, here we go, the last one, is examine ourselves. Examine ourselves. Take an honest, personal inventory, right? Assessment of our lives, of our character. Character. Now I want you to write this down, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. And I love what Paul writes. He writes this. Examine yourselves, got that, to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Then he says this. Do you not know or realize that Christ is in you? Unless, unless you fail the test. And we need to examine ourselves, Christians, all of us, me included, all of us. Examine ourselves by asking ourselves, am I a true Christian? Really, am I a true Christian? Am I walking in the light? Am I walking in truth? Am I pursuing righteousness? Righteousness? ask ourselves am i entertaining and enjoying sin or am i turning away from sin ask ourselves am i purifying am i cleansing myself from anything and everything that is inconsistent with the nature and character of Jesus Christ am i listen now am i beginning to see a resemblance to Jesus in my life. You guys get that? In my life. Listen, the test here isn't asking how often we go to church or how, how, how much we read the Bible or how much we pray. We should go to church. We should read the Bible, right? But that's not what he's asking. You know, are we serving in ministry? He's not asking that. Or how many verses we've, we've what, we've memorized. No, he's not asking that. It's asking us to make a determination if we are in the faith or not. It's it's an issue of in or out. It's an issue of real or fake. It's an issue of, of in the faith or disqualified from the faith. It goes right to the bottom line, are we even in the Christian faith? Now, notice what Paul said. Let's go back to what he said. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Why do you say that? Why did he say that? Because when Jesus comes into our life, things change. Our lives are no longer the same. And if Jesus is in us, then it's impossible, impossible to stay the same. He's doing a work in us to transform us into his image. Transformation must take place. You see, salvation is not just a transaction. and it should be a transaction. When you come forward here and you say the sinner's prayer, that's a transaction. Got it? It's not just a transaction, it's transformation. If you've you came forward and said, "I want Jesus, that's a transaction, but guess what? There's got to be a change, transformation. Salvation. Right? It's transformation as well. So question, and we're going to close with this. Do you pass or fail the test? Let me ask you this. Are you living rightly? Or are you living in sin? These are not my words. These are the Word of God. John's Word. That we as believers, there ought to be a change in our lives. Amen, that we're different, living rightly. Let's all stand.